Welcome to Almost Here, Round the Corner Future Technology Podcasts with Richard Jacobs. Future technologies poised to transform our lives for better or worse are the focus of this podcast. Almost Here means these technologies are now here and starting to be used or just around the corner from Bitcoin to artificial intelligence, 3D printing, blockchain, virtual reality, and more. Hello, this is Richard Jacobs with Future Tech Podcast. I've got a really interesting guest, guest as usual. But this one's probably even more interesting than most. Dr. Basil Harris of the Basil Leaf Team, uh, XPRIZE winner. Dr. Basil, how are you doing? I'm doing doing great. Thanks, Rich. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Yeah. So can you tell uh, listeners a little bit about your background and then we'll get into the um, the XPRIZE contest you're involved in? Sure. So uh, I'm an ER doctor. Um, that's what I'm uh, still doing full time. Uh, but before that, I was an engineer. Um, working in materials and mechanical and, and structural engineering. And uh, now I'm uh, building tricorders. Wait, so you went through engineering school, which I did. Then you decided, oh, I'm not done punishing myself. So you, you, <laughs> you went through medical school to become a doctor too? That's right. Yeah. My my, my wow. wife says uh, I like to be the perpetual student. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, I went through, did a, a PhD in engineering uh, and then decided, hey, medicine sounds cool, uh, and, and got interested in that. Um, mainly, my my background in, in like materials and mechanical. I got involved in biomechanics and uh, and really got interested in in the workings of the the human body, uh, the mechanical part of it. So that's what drew me into medicine. And then through medical school, you get exposed to so much. I I fell in love with emergency medicine and the. Uh, the adrenaline, adrenaline of it, and the uh, uh, just the constant uh, movement, <laughs> and it hmm. just fit my uh, my spaz personality, and so uh, it it's really um, been exciting. And then the uh, the tricorder competition, the Qualcomm Tricorder X Prize came up, and I thought how wonderful to try and marry the two worlds, um, and being a, a long time. Uh, Trekkie and science fiction fan, you know this was this was awesome just to be part of it. Yeah, so let's give it some context. So yeah, I'm a Star Trek fan too. Listeners may or may not be; they probably are, or Star Wars. But the tricorder was a device used by Bones, I guess, and other doctors in Star Trek to. It was a handheld device. You could scan someone, and I forget what information you'd get, but they would get everything about their condition. So what? Tell me about the X Prize. What is the actual goal? What was the specs of the contest? Sure. So it was inspired by the tricorder from the Star Trek universe. Um, but uh, you know, as you explained, the the tricorder in that world was held by the doctor. The, you know, Doctor McCoy would hold it uh, and and scan his patients. But it was still left up to the doctor to interpret it. So he would have to look at it and and see the vital signs and see the information it was telling him and come up with a diagnosis. So he famously would say, oh, he's dead, Jim. You know, so he would be uh, the one interpreting (laughs) it. So, you know, in the in the Qualcomm Tricorder X Prize, X Prize thought, oh, well, that's too easy. You know, not only did we have to build the tricorder device, but we had to program the doctor into it. So in that way, it was completely autonomous. So the user, the end user would be a regular person, regular consumer, and they would get the device and be able to understand it, apply it and get the information uh, from it. 
And then the device would have to interpret all that information and come up with the actual diagnosis. And so that's where uh, the, the challenge was. So even though it was inspired by, you know, Tricorder from Star Trek, which is, which is so cool, uh, in the end, it was really a diagnostic device. Um, and then ours, and like, like all the other teams, it didn't actually look like the little tape recorder box, like from the series. It was, uh, a, it was a, a components of a kit. So there were some requirements. So the whole kit, the whole device itself, however many components you had, had to weigh less than five pounds. It had to be able to diagnose up to um, 13 medical conditions, which they uh, they told us which conditions we had to diagnose. And um, it had to be usable by someone who didn't have any medical background. Uh, so basically, they hmm. they took patients from, and they were tested at University of California in San Diego. They enrolled patients directly from the medical center, people that would ha- had one of these conditions. So it it spanned a lot of different body systems. So there was urinary tract infections, uh, pneumonia, uh, pertussis, so a lot of infectious type diseases, but then also some okay. chronic conditions like chronic obstructive pulmonary disease or COPD, uh, diabetes, hypertension. So there, there was the, the cool thing about the project was that it, it would really show what a device like this could do by spanning multiple body systems, multiple types of diseases, acute illnesses, chronic diseases, and and really show the the breadth of something uh, of the of the technology. And so they would take these patients. Yeah, it's really cool. I mean, I'm really I'm so excited about it. Still, you know, it's like it's just the beginning. So they they took these patients and they enrolled them in the in the in the contest. And so, for example, say you you were unfortunately diagnosed with pneumonia in the hospital, um, they would, they would approach you and say, Hey, do you want to participate in testing out some tricorders? And so if you enrolled in it, they would take you to their research uh, building, which was right across the street from the hospital. And they would sit you down with, with one of the devices from one of the teams. And you would have an hour, an hour and a half with it. And they would give you a, a tiny intro into what the whole competition was about. But basically the device then they would leave the room and you'd have to interact with the device. It would have to teach you how to use it and you would have to gather information, all your vital signs, and it would have to come up with the right diagnosis. And that was the whole basis of the, the competition. And so we were fortunate hmm. enough to be the team that, that got the diagnoses correctly. So we we're very thrilled with that, of course. And But, yeah. but all the finalists came up with amazing tricorders you know, technology. And so I think uh, uh, this is really the beginning of a new era of, of reliable medical devices that are out in the, in the real world, in the hands of, of real people where it can do the, the most good. And so, so we'll, we'll get into a bit about how the device works. Uh, first, I want to ask you, what was the reaction of the people that you asked to participate in the study? Were they just curious or were they amazed once they started using it? And you know, what did you see in their interactions? Delight or the stupid thing and they banged it on the counter? Like, what, you know, <laughs> what did the interaction look like? Right. So I wasn't, we weren't, as was one of the contestants in the team, we weren't able to be involved in the, in the direct testing that was going on at, at UCSD. So for the Qualcomm Tricorder X Prize, that was run by the X Prize folks. We delivered 
65 tricorders and they tested them. But, you know, and that's like the other teams, they weren't about, we weren't allowed to be in, involved uh, or interact with it in any way. Um, so, but we did do our own clinical testing in Philadelphia at my hospital and, and uh, that's ongoing even today, you know, the, and the, the, the reactions of patients have been universally positive. I mean, it's amazing patients that you, uh, that you wouldn't, uh, think of, you know, they might not know Star Trek. They might not know what a tricorder is. Um, but when they see what it's doing and people are smart, they can understand what the thing is doing. They're excited by it. And they're like, where can I get this? <laughs> and unfortunately we're still undergoing clinical trials. So it's not approved for sale or anything, but you know, th this is the type of technology that's coming out onto the market in the, in the near future. So did you show them a clip of the Star Trek episode or one of them where <laughs> McCoy is using it? Maybe that would help. I don't give them content or you just explain. It? Yeah, we didn't, we didn't show a clip of, uh, uh, we didn't want to step on any, uh, any toes at uh, CBS. I think X prize licensed out the, uh, the just to be able to use the name tricorder, uh, um, for this, but we, we, we thought about, Hey, wouldn't it be cool if we made it, uh, make the same sounds as the, that's a tricorder on the TV show, but we, we stayed away from any of that to uh, <laughs> to make sure we weren't stepping on any uh, any patents or anything. <laughs> right. So how does how does it work? Does it use AI or does it use a knowledge base plus AI? Like what's the mechanical guts of how it works? Cool. So yeah, it is. It's a combination of things. So the way we started when we built it in the beginning was purely the AI of it. Uh, I'm an ER guy. I'm an ER doctor. I make diagnoses all day long. Patients come in. They tell me their symptoms. They tell me what's going on. I look at their vital signs. I order some tests. And, and my job is to really synthesize that information, distill it down, and come up with the diagnosis and what to do next. And so that's the first thing we taught it. We taught it that we built the AI based on uh, based on basically my experience in doing this for the last 15 years, but then uh, we, we let that AI grow as we kept going on with the development over the past five years. But that, that was the, the guts of it. Now, you still have to get the information. So the actual hardware components are the main function of them is to gather reliable vital signs. And that's the first step. And so that one of the uh, requirements of the competition was to be able to record vital signs reliably and accurately um, over a maximum period of 72 hours hooked up to a patient. And so, you know, that was one of the main functions of it. But then that's not, it's great and that helps in your diagnosis. And the, the vital signs are vital, as I tell my, my medical students, <laughs> no, but it's not enough. It's not enough to, to make a reliable diagnosis. Um, so you have to get more information. So we uh, use, we, we test blood, we test urine, we do those kind of things as well uh, and to get uh, more information. So it's not a completely uh, uh, magic wand like, like the, the tricorder on Star Trek. You know, it does have to touch your skin. It gets a real EKG rhythm strip. It has, there are certain things that have to actually make contact with you. And sometimes we have to get a little body fluid. Uh, so, but I think this first generation tricorder, uh, it does have some non-invasive uh, measures that are pretty cool. 
but we're a step uh, you know behind uh, building the McCoy tricorder that can just wave over top of you. Hmm. Is it um why not use an iPhone or Android as a platform? Why build a whole new tricorder? And do you think which way do you think it's going to go? You know, an independent device that is a tricorder, or it's going to be adopted and sucked into the existing smartphone platform? I think uh, that's a great question. And I think it will be uh, incorporated into technology like that. Ours actually uses, uh, it could marry with any of your uh, smartphones or anything, but uh, for our demonstration project and for the XPRIZE, we built it, the platform was on an iPad mini. And so that's where, and and these phones and these little tablets have tremendous amount of computing power uh, enough to run the AI, enough to run uh, to the the peripheral devices, all Bluetooth uh, connect to the uh, to the iPad, and then all of that information is synthesized right on on the on the pad on the tablet. Um, but it could be, like I said, any any smartphone device. Um, uh, as we go forward, you know, and you think of smart watches and all these things, I mean, we do need other things than just the phone. We, we or other sensors incorporated into the phone or built into the phone, so we can get the other data that we need. Um, so the the interface we have with the iPad, the peripheral devices are uh, we have we have a, several of those. One that I mentioned earlier is a, is a chest patch. It, it sits on the side of your chest and it's measuring constantly your EKG rhythm and sending that information to the tablet. Uh, another one is a digital stethoscope. So the user's guided into listening to the breath sounds. And then we have algorithms um, to detect whether there's abnormalities in the lung sounds. So we can pick up wheezing. Hmm. We can pick up if there's fluid in your lungs. Uh, Then another peripheral device we have is a little spirometer, which you breathe through, and it measures your lung function to see whether you have a restrictive lung disease like COPD, or you can use it to help monitor your asthma. Um, And then the uh, final one is one that is a finger clip. And so that's the one I'm really excited about because, you know, like you think you go to the doctor and they put a little clip on your finger, it measures your oxygen saturation. And so we do that as well, like a pulse oximeter. (laughs) Exactly. Um, But we've taken that a little step further and we're using that to, uh, not only get the oxygen saturation, we're getting a, a measure of your blood pressure without using a cuff, and we're also getting a, a non-invasive uh, reading on your glucose, your hemoglobin, and your white cell counts without drawing any blood with that device. So we're really excited by that. Um, and so that's one that we're doing clinical trials on now to try and get that out onto the market. So this is this is pretty cool because you participated in this contest. It kept you interested, and you now have a company that is going through clinical trials, and you may have your own device on the market soon, or in a few years. It sounds like it does take time. So I, I think we yeah. can we hope I'm hopeful by you know realistically sometime in 2018 getting this first device uh, approved and out there. Um, and then as we march through each of the components of the kit, because we have to get approvals from the FDA on each component, then we can start really building the whole system. So I think you're right. You know, there'll be several years before uh, the whole diagnostic system is out um, and available, but we're hoping that we can get 
these individual components, which I think are useful in their own setting uh, out there, at least get them approved so we can start building the kit together. Yeah, that's what I was going to ask you is about the roadmap. So you think next year uh, you may have a, a an approved device that you can start selling? Yeah, I, I do. I think we can have at least this non-invasive sensor uh, that will give us uh, an estimation of your glucose, your hemoglobin, your white cell count. Um, that that is is our goal to get that one out first because I think that's our that's our coolest component. Uh, and that's what we've been uh, focusing a lot of attention on. And we also have a, a, a cool um, urine test that we do. And so we're working on that you know, concurrently. And that one uses the camera. It would be with your, your phone or we're using the tablet. And it measures the reaction with the camera. So that one's pretty cool, too. So what, um, what does it look like? Do you plug in uh, a test strip into an iPad and pee on it? Do you plug in <laughs> a different module? You know, like literally, what does it look like if I had one today or if I use your device? What does it look like? How do I use it? <laughs> no, it's not. It, there's no plug in anything. It's it's basically a card uh, that you you rip open a foil pack. Um, we give a cup too in in the in the whole box in the kit, but we, we don't really instruct you on how to pee. So you got to fill the cup yourself, <laughs> and then you you rip the foil pack open for the card. And then it, it guides you in, you have to dunk this card into your, your pee, and then you put it on a, a little platform that is just, it's just an absorbent pad, basically, basically a paper towel. And then you set the uh, iPad camera up and it guides you in how to set it up so that it's viewing uh, the test uh, card. And then it, it measures the reaction. It takes a couple minutes, but it measures uh, 10 different reactions. Uh, uh, at the same time. So it's very simple, okay. straightforward thing. Okay, gotcha. Um, how far away are we from even a limited-use tricorder device like in Star Trek where you can talk to it, where you can wave it over yourself and it's non-invasive and it, it will tell you things about your condition? You know, like Again, your device, does it just give you a readout or can you talk to it and say... Will it ask you your symptoms and you talk to it and it says, based on what you said, you know, this is right. what I think. So it, yep, exactly. It's, it's very similar to that. And, you know, for for the competition, it was very cool to have this thing completely autonomous. I think when they first start getting out there, it's not going to we're not trying to put doctors out of business. You know, I, although, you know, I want to put myself out of a job as soon as possible. No. <laughs> You know, it's it, it's something that's going to interface with your medical provider. Uh, and so it's going to give you advice. It's going to give you some information. But it's really to help you and your medical provider uh, manage your conditions uh, more efficiently, more effectively. Um, so the, the, the way the competition was run, it was completely autonomous. There was no outside input uh, from anyone. But uh, I, I give a couple examples. You know, let me give you an example. So let's say you're a um, you're a medical provider and you're uh, managing a, a patient population of a thousand people, and you're getting calls in the middle of the night. You know, someone is worried about their sick child. So even if you have like a video conference with that parent um, and you can see the child, there's only so much information you can gather from that. Uh, if you had, right. uh, if they had the kit like this at home 
and you could get a reliable stream of vital signs, a reliable stream of, of data, uh, you could make that interaction, you know, much more fruitful and come up with a better plan. You know, so I, I'm in the ER and this happens all the time. You know, people are worried. They call their doctor. There's only so much data they have and they get sent to the ER. And so when we right. have something yep. like this that's out there, yeah, you can have uh, you know, better decisions because you have enough information. People want this information in their hands. And, and I think, it, you know, having the physician involved is, is still it's very important, of course, you know, to, to, and eventually, you know, as the AI grows and earns our trust in, in future years, you know, we're going to give it a little bit more autonomy. Uh, but that, I think, is, is, is a second step. Um, yeah, a big, a big idea that just came to me is, you know, the best ones, I guess, are the obvious, most obvious, but the ability to get a doctor's help remotely and not have to go to them, whether it's an ER or their office or whatever it is, is a huge step forward. You know, if we can reduce, if you're able to do something at home or on the fly or wherever you're at, not have to go to a place to get, Absolutely. You know, not life-threatening diagnoses, but, you know, regular diagnoses, that's a huge step forward. So I see that's like the biggest benefit of the tricorder device. One of the biggest benefits. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's, and this type of technology is, is going to grow in many directions. So in that, in that setting, you know, when you have, you know, simple, straightforward ailments and it can give you advice and, and, uh, and you can make those decisions more effectively and, timely <laughs> without the inconvenience of having to go somewhere. I mean, that's one aspect of it. And then also uh, think of um, places that don't have physicians. You know, we were, we were very lucky here in the States, you know, uh, but there are a lot of places that don't have any medical centers, don't have physicians. And so, uh, or, or in areas right. of crisis, like uh, in refugee camps where there's uh, such a need but there's so, it's so hard to deploy the resources. You know, you could have tricorders out there uh, on the front lines, and you can deploy those type of things quicker, get them out there, and have them um, and have a, a battery of of physicians that are reviewing and interacting with patients. You know, a lot faster than you can deploy that group of of medical providers. So it's like there's a there's a lot of room uh, for this to advance and. And I think really do a lot of good. How about the AI component? Um, how good is it that you've seen so far? Do you know what? Where did you tap into for the AI component? And I don't. Yeah. And again, so how we, good is it in diagnosing versus what um, clinicians can diagnose? Sure. So it, it's good for some things. It's re, it's really good for some, and uh, it, it's not so good for others. So for for all, I can only really speak to 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 my own uh, our own device here because I. I don't know the results from the other the other teams, um, but you know, as far as the things like uh, diagnosing pneumonia or pertussis, it was actually really good at that. Uh, but for our for our particular device, it wasn't as good at, at picking up uh, sleep apnea and things that we had to monitor uh, patients for a longer period of time. And I think one part of that was that you know this was a a unsupervised <laughs> test where the, the, the user had to apply the components and they had to wear them uh, correctly. So I think a lot of the longer term tests uh, 
uh, patients were either given the, the device for an hour or an hour and a half, or they were allowed to take them home for three days. And so, you know, I, we could no way of, of telling where they were, whether they were actually wearing it and wearing it properly or not. So the longer term tests, we didn't do so hot on <laughs> for this round, you know, but we're, we're working on, right. on our development. So for diagnosing <clears throat> conditions that you had to wear it for a while, uh, we're still working on that. <laughs> All right. Um, I don't know if you can speak to this, but the other contestants, was there anything you saw from them that you were like, whoa, that's pretty cool that you guys didn't have that you're excited just because if it comes out, it'll be great for everyone. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I think that, that all the finalist teams, they made awesome tricorders, you know, so I, the, the, the ultimate tricorder would be a combination of, of all these components. I would love to marry our non-invasive sensors with um, our, our chief competitor, uh, 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 from Taiwan has a really cool optical uh, system uh, to look at skin lesions and diagnose melanoma. And that's really, really awesome. And I think that that is a, a technology that's, that's going to come out on its own as well. Uh, and so putting all this information together um, will really uh, the, uh, make the, it would make the ultimate tricorder but what's your, I know it's pure speculation, but what's your guess on when humans may see a, um, a tricorder that can use AI and diagnose, I don't know, a hundred different conditions non-invasively? Yeah. I mean, something out on the market is going to be, there's always going to lag what we can actually do <laughs> because if we have, it has to be proven and, and approved by the regulatory body, but our system we're already up to 34 conditions. And so we, 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 I do think we need to get up to about 100 or 200 even conditions to make a really useful device. And so getting the AI to be able to do it in the initial stages, I don't think we're you know, a year away from that uh, to get up to 100 conditions. But getting that approved, and like I said a little earlier, we have to trust it <laughs> enough uh, to to let it do its job. And so that's going to take a lot longer. Uh, and I, I think the AI ha really has to earn that trust uh, over time. Because in, in reality, if, if, if it's not going to be trusted, no one's going to use it. And then it's, it's the technology, uh, it won't get adopted. Uh, I'd love to be at the point where I'm in the ER, a patient's coming in with a tricorder from you know, one I made or one, you know, wherever, because they're going to come from, there's going to be a lot of them out there. And and they say, hey, this device, I used it at home. It's telling me I have uh, a pneumonia and these are my vital signs and these are my test results. And I want to be able to believe that information and go to the next step and say, hey, this is this is what we have to do now. We have to, uh, you know, get this sample and, and get you started on this antibiotic. And, and, and that's where we're going to start having more efficiencies in that setting where we can have streams of vital signs and streams of data uh, coming from the home and, and, and moving to the next step instead of repeating everything uh, or delaying. Uh, and that's, uh, that's a, an optimistic future that I think is around the corner. Yeah. What do you think the most helpful things would be to doctors caring for people? You know, for instance, uh, diabetes patients, let's say I have 4,000 diabetes patients, you know, they, they all have this 
tricorder thing at home. They're all reporting in their data. How do you think that would be most useful to a doctor in managing his flock of people? <laughs> right. It's a great question. It's a great example because I end up in the ER seeing the same patients over and over again that have chronic conditions like advanced diabetes that's very difficult to control or COPD or CHF, uh, con- which is congestive heart failure. These, you know, These are tough conditions to manage when they're really advanced. And people need the tools, not only the physician, but the individual needs the tools to help manage them. Uh, diabetics don't like pricking their finger five times a day, you know, and, and they don't, you know, there's very limited uh, ability to, to, uh, uh, to get the information that they need in, in order to, to manage their condition, you know, more uh, efficiently and, and avoid hospitalization. And so the, it's not just streaming data to your physician, but but looking at it, you know, uh, at the home level and being able to make those decisions um, and adjust your your dosing of insulin, or or it maybe it's a continuous feedback loop with your insulin pump, and and it and it helps keep your uh, your glucose in check. Uh, I think these are the where this is where we're going to start really seeing improvements in longevity and and. and managing these diseases. Gotcha. Okay. Well, I, I appreciate you coming on the podcast. This is definitely fascinating. And uh, it's, it's going to be fascinating for listeners. They should pay attention but because this kind of medicine is going to be changing everyone's um, experience with it. We all need medical care at one point or another. So thank you so much for coming, Dr. Harris. I appreciate it. Oh, thank you so much for having me. It's, and I, I agree. This is. I think years from now, we're going to look back and we're going to say, of course we all have these devices. How did you how did those barbarians work without them? <laughs> Back then. You have been listening to Almost Here, Around the Corner of Future Technology Podcast with Richard Jacobs. Subscribe to this podcast, both to review, to discover more future technologies that are poised to transform our lives for better or worse, such as Bitcoin, artificial intelligence, 3D printing, blockchain, virtual reality, and more.